Okay, and welcome to Ask Alex episode 204 on the OneOuter.com podcast. Loyal listeners will know that you've not heard from myself or Alex on this show for around three months, I think it is. I think it's way back in January when I was looking at the last show before we started this one. So there have been some changes. We are no longer working with America's Card Room after, I think, two and a half to three years. I don't know the exact time period that, but... We both went our separate ways earlier uh, in the year. I think the last show was the last one sponsored by americascardroom.com. So this one, we have decided to come back. And just a bit of background, I don't want to drag this too out, uh, too much out and be all sort of self-centered, but with business, my other business interests and stuff, and the fact I'm not really playing much poker at all recently, but... That versus a lot of emails, and I honestly can't thank you enough, and Alex, I'm sure, I speak for Alex here as well, lots of you writing in saying you missed this show, you want it to come back, and when is it going to be back, and then some other people are a bit more abrupt, just tweets like, why no show this week, you know, <laughs> when's the show back, etc., and uh, lots of kind words and messages in, so, you know, I don't want to be selfish here in that, and without sounding sort of like, you know, holier than now or whatever. I do feel there's a lot of questions I've still got in email inboxes and in notepads saved on my phone from people. And I think at least we should go forward with the show and work ourselves, you know, work our way through these questions uh, that you've put to Alex and Alex can answer them. So provisionally, the plan is to do the show once a month and put it up on the site and on iTunes, as usual, all the usual stuff in the Facebook group, etc. But for the time being, it will be once a month maximum just now. Now, when I first started one out, and I first just started interviewing uh, famous poker players, and then I asked Alex on the show, but um, boom. And I was super into poker and wanting to pick all these guys' brains and get into it. So I did it for free. Now, the thing is, obviously, without a sponsorship deal and stuff, there's no monetization really for my end for the site. So, you know, I, I can't just turn up once a week and do this. Even though it is only an hour a week, there is background work that goes behind the scenes, responding to some emails that never even make it on the show, and just general maintenance, etc. And I'm just being honest, the drive's just not there with me just now to do that. So as I say, I want to I want to fight that sort of battle again, still getting something out for the loyal listeners. So for the time being, we're going to do once a month. Alex has got some interesting information on some promotion he's going to do that will sort of like help support the site with his products, etc. And he's going to talk about that a bit later. So, yeah, just background uh, wanted to give you. In the meantime, we're going to be back once a month. Now, I'm going to Vegas for the World Series, so if I get a real poker bug again, we might pop up again for like two, three shows a month or twice a month or whatever. It's going to be really flexible and ad hoc, and I'll really promise to try and do once a month for at least the next couple of months, you know, and get these questions that are outstanding uh, answered. So, Alex, it's good to have you back. It was good to hear your voice. Myself and Alex chatted for a little bit before the show there and caught up. Um, so, Alex, if you want to fill people in what's been happening with you since way back in January. 
Hey, everybody. Uh, sorry, my phone just blew up at the exact same time. Uh, uh, so, sorry. This is already the best podcast ever, but, like, Barry was like, hey, Alex, I'm, uh, I'm going to put you on, right? And then my phone at the exact same time, I hit the mute microphone because it just started exploding right into the microphone. So sorry about that, guys. Uh, yeah. For once a month, I cannot work with this amateur anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the worst. Like, and, uh, hold on, guys. One second. Total amateur move right there. Oh, uh, no, guys, what's going on is... Look, Barry's actually being very polite about how much work he puts into this podcast. And since we weren't working with a sponsor and it looked like we were going to have another one for a while. And then after two minutes, two months of talks, it just it didn't pan out. Uh, we it was really hard for me to say, hey, Barry, would you mind working for free? Because literally one of the last shows Barry had some tech problems and it took him five hours to get the show up. And you combine that with all the time he was uh, cultivating the questions and going through emails and responding to people and saying hi to people when they tweet in. We figured out Barry lost a work day and Barry runs a business and Barry takes care uh, of his family and all that. Right. I mean, we both have uh, people we we. We live together with our girlfriends and all that, right? So we have responsibilities and all. And it was one of those things, getting Barry, telling Barry, like, hey, I want you to take a day off of work so I can yammer on this mic and you can put it up and sell my stuff. Uh, didn't really sit right with me. And Barry also had to go do some stuff as far as his business. But what we're going to do right now is... There's a code that works on my site. I've completely redone my site between the last couple episodes. So you can go to pokerheadrush.com and it looks completely different. And you can see free training videos on that site now. Uh, if you subscribe to the YouTube, you'll recognize a lot of them. And then there's actually, I've got my first exclusive for pokerheadrush.com. Not going to be on YouTube. That's going to be coming up next week. So do be sure to go to pokerheadrush.com, subscribe for the newsletter, check out that site. And uh, yeah, what we're going to do right now is if you follow my newsletter, if you follow me on other sites, you will know there is no sale going on right now. Uh, there is There was a sale a little while ago, but if you use those codes right now on Gumroad, they're not going to work because I... I only do sales like once a year. Uh, just not really sure why. I feel the products are worth most of those products. They're let's say it's four hundred dollars, right? Well, if that helps you win one pot at two five, it pays for itself. And a lot of those products have a hundred plus things that I had to travel all over the world to figure out, and each single one of them could help you win a pot at two five, right? or save a tournament buy-in where you would have detonated before if you're playing a $300 buy-in or whatever. So I think the prices are fair. I tend to not discount them, or if I do, I just put it on one product and 
will do that for a couple of weeks. And it tends to be when people say like, oh, I'm really looking. Uh, it tends to be when there's a lot of people who are really looking at that product but don't have a ton of money or whatever it is. But what we're going to do right now is if you want to support this podcast, I'm not really sure where I, I didn't think of this before. If you use the promo code one outer, you go to the website, you can go right to it, gumroad.com slash assassinato, or you can cut to it from pokerheadrush.com. If you put in the promo code one outer, it will give you a discount as a thanks for supporting the one outer discount. And that's going to go towards paying Barry for taking a day off of work to get you guys an episode, right? And helping him be compensated. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun little thing. We have How to Win the Sunday Million is up there now. Uh, that was, I got, as far as, like when Barry was starting, he was just picking the minds of great players. I got a guy who was number one on Pocket Fives who's literally made a million dollars in profit from online tournaments. Not cashes, profit. One million profit. And I got that guy to talk tournament poker for 25 episodes. And afterwards, he did six hours of bonus features. And that that's available right now. The audio remaster is going up of that pretty soon, too, which is going to be really fun uh, because I haven't been able to do professional production before. And then, yeah, there's Master Tournament Poker in One Class is always my hottest seller. You can get a discount on that. Barry's going to have all these links up. Uh, well, or you can just cut through with the the code and, you know, that tags it to me and it shows you uh, you used one outer to get it. And then I, I can send Barry a couple of bucks for his time. And yeah, Master Tournament Poker in one class, that's pretty much my playbook for low to mid stakes tournaments. It's three hours. It's meant to be one class. You have it and you are really prepared for low to mid stakes tournaments or even a tournament like the WCP main event where most of those players typically play low to mid stakes. It'll help you in that. It's my playbook and it has helped a lot of people. I never thought that product would go as bonkers as it did, but it's really been beloved by everybody. And you can get that now on sale. If you want to support the podcast, you can get how to think like a poker player, which is, essentially me drilling core concepts from master tournament poker in one class for 10 episodes and adding some extra content for things that people had never really realized in tournament poker. Uh, you can get the classic master, the flop, which has, uh, it, which has a lot of content based on how to take advantage of people on very peculiar, uh, flops. And yeah, you can check out all that stuff with the one outer code. Uh, you can go right through our website or you can go to pokerheadrush.com and check all of that out. And that'll be fun because a lot of you guys pick up those products anyway. Uh, so now if you're a fan of this podcast and you're planning to pick up one of them anyway, you, for a limited time, you can pick it up and support Barry. It's uh, I, I tend to not run these things for more than a week or two. So if you did have one in mind, you know, jump on it. Uh, so yeah, that that's kind of what we got going on right now. I, so that's our spiel, Barry. Anything else we should talk about? Well, yeah, just as a side note, I created a section on com, Alex's store, and it's on the front page. And if you just go to the top right corner, 
it's next to the About Me link. And if you click in that, there's a link that takes you direct through to Alex's Gumroad store, and it's got the details about the coupon code and stuff. And as Alex says, he's only going to do this for a limited time. So at the time of this podcast, that section and link is up on oneouter.com. And Alex, these are quite sizable discounts as well, aren't they? I think they're between 50 and 75% roughly. Yeah, they're stupid discounts. I shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, Barry, we got we to gotta help you. You know what I mean? You've been living off of cat food for too long. We got to yeah, we gotta spare a dime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt so. really bad after the last one. Like, you were just, <laughs> Barry's sending updates for like eight hours getting it up. And that, that was. Uh, I forgot about that. It just shows you what life's like. I totally <laughs> let that go. And now Alex has put it back in my psyche and I can feel the stress bubbling up <laughs> with me. <laughs> I was dealing Sorry. with support that was ridiculous. I nearly deleted the whole site and just said, forget it, you know. <laughs> you get nothing. Oh, I know, I know. But you know what? Alex has touched on it and I touched on it at the start of the show. There, I mean this really. This isn't just rhetoric. There are so many of you guys who have listened since day one and stayed loyal to the podcast and always message in and nice words and send the question in or share it on Twitter or whatever. And it really does. It mean a lot. It's not, I'm not just saying that. So um, that that's nice of Alex to offer that discount for all you listeners with the one hour code for it. Um, and as I say, it's sizable discounts off his stuff. And Alex is going to, you know, throw me a bone off anything that sells and stuff as well. So um yeah it's just uh we're all spreading the love so thanks to everyone that does messaging because you do sort of keep the show going as well um and even if you don't buy anything it's those words of support of saying like you enjoy it and thanks and whatever um we're all human and it is nice to be you know told that people appreciate what you're doing and stuff like that because yeah as it stands i'm doing this for free and i i do very little for free alex will tell you that you know? <laughs> Barry doesn't roll over. By the way, Barry, I always see if you read the newsletter by making jokes about how cheap you are. <laughs> and, and, and then when I get one past you and you don't write me, I'm like, ha! <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Barry doesn't roll out of bed for less than 2,000 quid. But yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. The other thing I was going to say, guys, yeah, I mean, just piggybacking onto what uh, Barry was saying, I've actually got a lot. I have received a number of emails lately from people in countries where there is no way they could buy a $99 product, right? It, guys in the Philippines where that's their rent for the month or something like that. And a really weird feeling that I've been having is just actually getting a little giddy off of that because I grew up reading Tommy Angelo articles and not really having anything to spend even if i wanted to but still loving poker and wanting to learn more about it and it was just amazing to me there was this guy out there who had written hundreds of articles and whenever life really sucked i could read about this person living this professional poker player life and more than that he, he would be telling a story and somehow he would weave in a lesson that i'd remember forever and would help me at the tables and the way it tasted, the way it felt to win a pot long into the night off of one of those lessons. And this guy who I'd never met had taught me how to do that. It taught me how to sustain myself, had 
put a couple of bucks in my pocket to take a girl out to the movies. That always blew me away because it just felt magical. It just didn't, it felt like you were off the grid and living this life that other people just dream of, just making your life under the streetlights, seeing something that wasn't there, living outside of the city system, being your own man. And getting emails and realizing that cycle is continuing. And more than that, for people that I never knew I would reach, uh, the, the cool thing when the kids like from Manila or like Uzbekistan or something like that or uh, Paraguay is all of the strategies in the free videos, they'll give you a leg up at like $30, $50 tournaments online, $100, $200 tournaments live. But if you're playing like $1, $5, $10 tournaments, you can just destroy people with a lot of those concepts. It is a lot of the same basics I use to build a bankroll and build my life the way it is. So if you're just hearing my voice and you don't uh, know what you want to do, and uh, there are tons of free videos on PokerHeadRush.com. Just go to PokerHeadRush.com, hit watch free videos. Any Every single one of the products will have a free video attached to it. I really made sure those lessons help people as much as possible. You don't have to spend a dime. You can get five hours, six hours of free coaching right there just by clicking on that link. And it's better stuff than I ever saw when I was – actually, it's better stuff that, than is on most training sites right now. I'm going to be a little arrogant and say that. I really prepare for my lessons. I create PowerPoints. I create hand histories myself. I do all the math. I show all my work. I show the Flopzilla. I break it down. I write scripts. You're not going to get that kind of product. Typically, even if you pay for it, I put it out there for free. So that's our gift to you, really, if you guys want to check it out. So do be sure to check that out. And if you like what you see, the code is one outer, and it'll make sure Barry and I get to talk a little bit more uh, about horror movies and fizzy juice. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into some questions then and catch up because um, some of these guys have emailed in months ago and, um, you know, might no longer be with us. <laughs> um, they, they emailed in that long ago. Um, so let's check. Ask Alex. Here we go. Okay, we're just going to... Now, people in advance, if you've sent in a question, 99% I've got it saved but there was some technical issues and it did involve email and stuff. And when I was in China, um, I changed my SIM card to a Chinese phone uh, SIM card so I could use, you know, in mainland China. And when I put it back in, it screwed around with a lot of my text messages and also notes saved on the phone. So it is possible I've missed a couple of you. If you don't hear them in the next couple of episodes, do email in again. And I can always just check it and say, yeah, I got it already on the list. Or if not, you know, uh, I'll add it to the list. Um, so we're just going to take these as I have them. So this one is from Peter. Hello, my question for the show is about how big an equity edge should we be happy with when calling that puts us all in for our tournament life? Anything over 50% or call it off with 40% not flush draw as long as we are getting the right pot odds? Hey, Peter, uh, let me stroke my long white beard because you sent that question 14 years ago. We really appreciate you being patient. No, uh, the, the, the real question becomes, 
let, let me give you all the thoughts that went through my head as he asked that question. One, if you have an equity edge, if you have the price to call, you put the guy's jamming range on Flopzilla, you put your hand, you look at your equity, you look at what Holden Manager says your equity needs to be for you to call off there. If you're plus EV, do you call? Typically, yes, if the rest of the players are really good. So let's say you enter into the WCP main event, you show up and you just get a murderer's row of guys, seven people. If you're ahead there by a smidgen of equity, you just run it. Now, let's say you sit down at the WCP main event table and the four guys to your left are really nice guys, but they tend to play, they, they won their way to the WCP main event through their leagues, right? They played $50 tournaments for six months and their league put up a WCP main event scene. They got there that way. Or one of them normally plays $100, $200 tournaments and won a satellite uh, through uh, an MTT super satellite, right? They're nice enough guys, but they're not three betting you. Most of the time, the big blinds is calling you and they're check folding a lot. Now there, if you have a slight edge, you really want to think about it. And most of the time there, you should be folding because the other thing that's really interesting with my students is in their minds, people are shoving their ranges. The thing you have to understand is that you are someone that listens to poker podcasts. You're likely someone who reads poker books. You are someone who watches poker training videos on YouTube. Uh, you are an analytical poker player. You really love this stuff, right? You're very different than the average person. The average person doesn't look down at ace, deuce, off student and goes, yippee, skippy, I think I'm going to move this in. They tend to think about it and they only shove it on occasion. When you diminish their jamming range and you're barely ahead, you are really soar up there you're really screwed up a lot of the time and a lot of times when you're calling it's negative ev i i just got to talk uh with mike wasserman the gentleman who made a million dollars in profit uh from mtt's online and we were talking turbo tournaments we're, we're actually going to release some of those materials so if you sign up at pokerheteros.com for the mailing newsletter you'll get to read more about this topic that we're discussing right now one of the things he was talking about is if you get nothing else from me, Alex, shove light calls height in these tournaments, right? Uh, just because people never really seem to be jamming as wide as you think they should be jamming. And when you jam into people, there is a range people are supposed to be calling, and people tend to not get close to that range. There's a lot of times we're supposed to call an all-in with King Deuce of Diamonds, but there's a lot of people that have never done that in their life. Therefore, your jams end up having a couple tenths of a big blind more in equity than you expect. And if you just shave off on occasion a tenth of a big blind or two tenths of a big blind of equity on a call, well, if you were pretty thin to begin with, you're really thin there now. So how far do you want to be ahead? It's hard to give a static number. It's hard to give a consistent number because if you're ahead by a fraction of a percent versus Phil Ivey, go ahead and run it. If you're playing with a bunch of guys that are very lazily playing, calling out of the big line, check folding when they miss, they have high cards, opening a little too much in later position, letting you corner them with three bets and folding their high cards to a C bet, you might have a 5% edge and you should pass there. It's a really, it's hard to give a hard and fast rule, except for, I guess in turbos, pretty much the best you're going to do is being ahead by like a tenth of a big blind, two tenths of a big blind. If you look through 
ICMizer 2 or Hold'em Resources Calculator, whatever it is. So t that tends to be what you're going to run with. A, a lot of the people that say I'm waiting for a better spot, when you ask them what is that better spot, it's really hard to pin down an answer. So if you can show, you know, 15% of a big blind is going to be produced here by this call, t you tend to have to run with it there. Okay. And this one is from Robbie. Hi, guys. Do you use solvers, Alex? And if so, what ones? Can you explain a bit more what they are and the benefits of investing in one? Are they a necessity in today's game if you're taking it seriously and playing for a living or wanting to do so in the future? I have actually worked with a number of people that are more solvers, uh, specialists, I guess. And what they're really good for is there are times you can set, like, I think the player will do exactly this, right? And you program the player in a way that you look at a database and it says, well, this tends to be what guys do. And what's really neat with them is it'll show you actually an exploitative line that you can use that's pretty crazy, right? And then you take it to the tables and then you try it out and you go, wow, I would have never thought of this. And that's that's the really fun part about AI. To be truthful with you, I've been really working on getting the uh, revamped PokerHeadRush.com off the ground, uh, actually for the last like six months. So I haven't been able to study with the solvers as much as I'd like. I I know John Van Fleet is really good with that. Uh, Matthew Jonda released a book that had a lot of the findings. That stuff is really good. Uh, I am taking lessons on it. To be truthful with you, though, it's like I should be taking them once a week. I'm taking them like once a month, right? Uh, Cardrunner's EV does have a new one out, which is really interesting. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. A lot of the lines you guys really like from me, those were born from my talks with guys who are consulting with me on what they found with solvers and they show me how to do it. It's definitely on my agenda, like get really badass at this right now. The other one was ICMizer 2. Uh, that was, there just wasn't a clear product of mine that showed using that and how to use that and how to use that in online poker. So I recently just got that done. Uh, I, I just put together a number of materials that show how to use ICMizer 2. Uh, if you're going to play beyond, I, I think when you're learning poker, uh, let's say beginner to like intermediate, uh, low to mid stakes, I think a really good thing to do is to first learn how to play your opponent's range, right? A lot of the uh, GTO guys and a lot of the whiz kids, a lot of that's range versus range, which is really good, but that that's the second step. That tends to be really difficult to teach from the jump. What I would really recommend when you're playing low to mid stakes and what I really enjoy teaching because it gives people a lot of fast wins, uh, gives a lot of people, most people play low to mid stakes anyway. So I, I want to get them fast results and get them enjoying the game. And usually off of that enthusiasm, they'll be willing to do the hard work that will get them into high stakes games, which will be more of the solver work, more of the parsing through Matthew Jonda and highlighting things in the Kindle. Uh, but with, Exploitative poker, what that means is essentially exploiting the other person's range and just thinking of their range. So you gamble on a lot of things with exploitative poker, which is, okay, this guy has too many hands, 
uh, be it when he calls from the big blind or when he opens from the hijack and flats everything when I threw that. And he's going to have a high card the majority of the time on these boards. And I think he's folding to a high card. What I just said to you, if you're listening to me, that, that makes a lot of sense to someone very intuitively. Now, so because it is easier since my full-time job is as a teacher to teach exploitative poker. Now, with the solvers, they're going to teach you a perfect GTO strategy, uh, or as close as they can get, uh, especially if you don't do anything to make the other person less than perfect. And that's very interesting, especially if you're going to play higher six poker, because what it's going to tell you is it's going to tell you how to play an, a game that cannot be exploited. And if you're heading into a tournament and you don't know anything about the other person except for they're very good, starting from a standpoint of this strategy, even if the person knew what I was doing with each part of my range, they couldn't really do anything about it. That's a very powerful place to begin with. However, I tend to not focus on it as much in my coaching because truthfully, I'm not the best at it. Secondly, uh, with low to mid stakes, it seems like what you get a lot of results from is just teaching the exploitative stuff. I'd like to think that's why things have been going pretty well for me lately and why my book uh, got to number one on Audible as far as poker is. uh, I I think that stuff's just a little bit more intuitive. And it it goes back to the old-fashioned Doyle Brunson, exploit him if he does this, yada, yada, the stuff we grew up with. But if you want to get to the high stakes, uh, you're going to have to learn GTO as well. And the solvers are terrific for that. So I'd really recommend if you want to Google this, uh, it's the limits of exploitative play. Uh, I wrote this article. I wrote it because there seems to be this war between exploitative poker and GTO poker, which I I really think is silly. They're two sides of the same coin. Uh, There are times, let's say when I was playing in Prague and I was against regs, there were times I was going, okay, so I should be betting this percentage of the time. I should be checking this percentage of the time. And a solver would tell you what the optimal frequencies would be, which is good because a lot of that is guesswork, but it's guesswork obviously when you're at the live table and you can't look at anything, right? So you wanna go home and check that everything's all right. But uh, what you can use that stuff when you're versus a guy who you think is going to exploit you if you become exploitable yourself. But if you think the other person is not capable of exploiting you, you can take an exploitative line, which if the person knew what you were doing, they could exploit. Uh, so there, you will see, even the best GTO practitioners will tell you uh, that they use exploitative lines all the time. And I think uh, any player that just goes, I'm purely exploitative, I don't consider GTO lines, I think is losing a realm of study that is very interesting. One of the most fun things you can do if you're a nerd is study game theory in uh, military politics, etc. Uh, it's very fun. Uh, I was actually just reading about game theory and statecraft between uh, China and America. It was it's, it's extremely fascinating. But it, for low to mid stakes, I think if you're just learning the game or you're just trying to become uh, a pro right away, you got to start with the exploitative stuff or maybe not a pro, but just get some wins that make you feel good about yourself. But read that article, The Limits of Exploitative Play and uh, familiar familiarize yourself with the the main practitioners out there, the ones who've spent the last couple of years cultivating that game, if you're looking to get to the higher stakes. So I think that would be, I think that would be a good place for you to stand 
from to begin from, I would check out that article, The Limits of Exploitative Play. It's on Jonathan Little's site. Okay. All right. Next one is quite a long one, so I'm just going to read it out. The guy's waited, as Alex said, about five years. So this one is from Mark. Hi, guys. This is Mark from Texas. Big fan of the show. I recently read your new book and must say it's one of my all-time favorite poker strategy books. I would like some advice on the section about how people want to punish you for your resting bitch face appearance. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a long-time student of the game and I've noticed over the years that I seem to get called down more live than online. I can't help but think that this has something to do with my appearance. I'm a 37-year-old, 6-foot-2-inch white male with a beard. I typically wear jeans and sweater or zip-up jacket. Nothing that yells poker pro because that I am not. People have told me that I don't look like a friendly guy. Even other players have commented that they will call me just to see where I'm at. Here's the problem. It's hard for me to make a hand. Don't get me wrong. It's easy pickings when I connect to the board. But what do you do when there seems to be a higher chance that your bluff will be picked off? People seem to have no trouble calling my jams with mediocre holdings. Anyway, thanks again for all that you do and keep up the good work. Hey, uh, what was this gentleman's name? Sorry, Barry, I messed up. His name was Mark. Hey, Mark. Hello, fellow resting bitch face friend. Uh, No, uh, it's one of those things, guys. Ever since that book came out, I've been actually looking at this a lot more and talking with many more people and doing more research. The work never ends, right? Exploitative play in live poker was essentially, these are my notes up till now. This will change a lot. Obviously, that book is still relevant. It's because it came out three days ago. But there's little things I learn as I go in to it more. Uh, But... The thing that's really interesting to me is with live poker, you will notice that people will find a reason to dislike you for any reason you can imagine. If you're short, you're tall, you're big, you're skinny, you're white, you're black, you're male, you're female, they're going to find a way, right? And the reason for that is there's there's two different types of people who play poker. There's one, there's people that have a little bit of a motor. There's people who, they can't just sit around passively watching sports. They kind of want to get in there and they want to compete. So there's those people are like the salt of the earth, right? Those are the really fun people you meet in poker. I'm really lucky that I feel a lot of my students are just people that want to compete and have a fun time and hopefully make a couple of bucks. I think that's very reasonable. There's also a lot of people that play poker that really want to make money and do no work. Uh, I think if you follow poker for any length of time, you're going to find these people tend to have a very specific view of life. Uh, very, very much they're looking for reasons that they should be winning, right? And we all do this, right? When we're having trouble in life, I know I've done this when you're working like a 60 hour week, you walk down the street, you see the university student uh, with the kind of the dorky glasses and he's trying to grow his beard or whatever. And we all have those thoughts like, oh, that guy doesn't do anything with his life. Like, look at it. That kid, 
you know, his parents could be, you know, just pressuring him to go into a career that he doesn't love or something, right? And telling them, telling that guy they're going to disown him if he does anything that he actually really wants to do. That guy could have problems you know nothing about. But we all do this, right? When we're a little harangued, when we're a little going through it, right? We we come up with reasons for why other people have it easier than us. And we come up with a lot of those reasons in poker because people, if you read Thinking Fast and Slow, you'll notice that people really have loss aversion. Uh, people are very, very worried about getting bullied or something like that, right? And what happens is, this is the problem with poker, is people, <laughs> you think about a perception screw up, right? People will watch a poker table and typically if you sit down at a nine-handed table, one guy will get hot, right? And, or one guy will play a bunch of hands he really shouldn't and he's going to win a bunch. What is focal is causal. You'll think, well, maybe if I played a bunch of hands like this goofball, I'd be, if I ran as good as this goofball, I'd be scooping pots left and right. What you're not seeing is that eight out of nine guys at every table you've ever played at your entire life do not run well, right? You're not noticing that eight out of nine people are not running well. But to those guys, they don't understand it's one person versus eight. So typically, if you think of those odds, one person versus eight, even if you wait for a big hand, most likely the eight people are going to run you down. And once every few hours, you should get a hand and hopefully, hopefully you get back at them and you take everything with interest. But that doesn't always happen in poker. But since human beings can't conceptualize that until they've been playing poker for a very long time or until they're actually very tough on themselves about their entitlement till because people can't conceptualize that what it feels like is the rest of the world is winning i i am never winning every couple of hours i get a big hand and still somehow these donkeys suck out on me but but when you think about it eight people versus one that's what's going to happen most of the time right is someone's going to run you down and what happens is a lot of these people get bitter right especially because money is involved and when they get bitter, they're going to find reasons to dislike you for any reason. Uh, I tend to have a resting bitch face. Uh, so people, I've had people say, like, I really don't like you. And I go, how could you not like me? You've never spoken to me. Right. And they, I, I go, have you ever listened to any of my podcasts, read any of my books, read any of my articles? And they're like, no, it's just like your face. And it's like, well, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> right. It's a. That just happens to be my face, right? I have people, this happens with a lot of the one outer listeners. They meet me at a casino. I want you guys to hear this, okay? You meet me at a casino and you've listened to me for so long. You feel like you know me. And then when you meet me and you say hi to me and you notice my eyes shift around a lot and I have a resting bitch face, you think I don't actually want to talk to you. So then what I have to do is I have to do this big smile to let you know everything's okay. And then people go, oh, that's not authentic. And it's like, I can't win, right? But everybody has something like this, right? If you're Asian, people will judge you for being Asian, right? Oh, those crazy Asian gamblers. If you're a woman, guys have problems with women beating them. If you're black, there are a lot of white folk in the United States that are gonna call you down a little bit more than they should, right? And if you're 
if you're white, it's like, oh, spoiled millennial, never had to deal with anything in your entire life, right? They will find a way to deal with it no matter what. Senior citizen, oh, you're a baby boomer who ruined this country. Like, it never ends. I've heard all of it. And really what it comes down to is people feel like they never are the person running hot at the table. When they do run hot at the table, eventually they have a bad beat happen to them in a tournament. So they just count the seven hours they ran well as a wash. So they don't even count that, right? And people just have loss aversion, right? They want to, especially live online, because you can't see the person and come up with these reasons. There's actually a lot of studies that show as you add details, people become less, less rational. Uh, that's in thinking fast and slow as well. Uh, the, it's the, I'm not gonna give it away, but it's the bank, it has something to do with the bank teller, right? Uh, if you read that experiment. But the thing about it is there's less details in online poker. People see more hands. They're, they're seeing hands more regularly. And since they're picking up aces every you know 20 minutes, or not aces, but a good hand like every minute, they're picking up something they can raise and do something with. They get a little more relaxed about calling people down and whatnot. Live, when you gotta watch the dealer shuffle, you got you gotta watch another wash. There's that labored hiss of a dying snake of everybody shuffling their chips. There's all these guys that seem to enjoy just scratching themselves and staring at each other for two minutes at a time. You start getting exasperated and you start looking for reasons to play because you're bored, right? That has nothing to do with you. That's just the human condition. They're going to come up with it for everyone. So what I would recommend is realizing in live poker, especially when someone can call you and muck their hand without anyone seeing it, recognize that people have a very difficult time consenting to a loss when they can gamble for a much greater win. That has been proven constantly through testing ever since the 70s, right? So because people are naturally loss averse, they're gonna come up with all manner of reasons, no matter what you look like, no matter what's your age, no matter what your body composition, they're going to find a way to justify the call. And just accept that you're gonna get the call more often. Now you need to look for these things specifically. If someone four bets you, bluffs you, you have to document that. If somebody calls you with just a high card and the board wasn't like 662 or something very obviously easy for someone to call with a high card, you need to document that. Uh, if somebody check raises you with error, you need to document that. But until you see a four bet bluff, until you see somebody call you down with a bare high card, no gut shot, uh, until you see a check raise bluff, you don't really have to worry about much of anything because most of the exploitative strategies that we're discussing, and you'll notice an exploitative play in my poker, are pretty much predicated on get a guy, heads up to the flop with too many hands, make a miss, bet, fold his high cards. That's it. That's it. Everybody thinks poker is this gorgeous, game of subtle skill and the best practitioners are near chess masters. That is a joke. A lot of this is just hustling. And this is the hustle. Nobody balanced poker out. Nobody sat there and designed poker. 
Electronic Arts didn't assemble a team of 45 people to balance poker out. Some road gamblers wanted to play seven card stud. They realized they had too many players and not enough cards. They put five cards in the middle. That was it. And what happened was nobody realized this, but two cards don't hit three cards all that often. If somebody is playing 20% hands, they are going to brick the vast majority of boards, right? Not the vast majority, but the majority. And much, they're going to brick much more often than you need them to brick for a half pot bet or a two-thirds pot bet or a three-fourths pot bet. What you're trying to do is just isolate people with their big ranges. They open too many hands. You three-bet, you isolate them. If uh, somebody's calling out of the big blind with everything, you raise big enough so they call you out of the big blind and you just got that guy all to yourself and you want them to fold high cards. Until they show you they're doing something with high cards, you don't need to worry about their perception of you. And after they call, you got to trust that they have a pair because most people like to fold their high cards, call with pairs, raise with two pair or better. People, especially in the United States, are way too prone to fast play their hands, right? So when they call you, since most people will fold their high cards, and just due, due to combinatorics, it's so much easier to make a pair than a set, about 70% of their hands are going to be pairs, and most of those pairs are going to be one of the cards on the board. You look at that board. And you say, will I be able to fold one of those pairs on the turn? The answer the vast majority of the time is no, because people do not like losing. They feel like I've been waiting for so long live for a pair. How could I fold right now? I'm being exploited. I can't do it. So you look down at your hand. If it's better than the average pair on that board, you keep firing because they won't fold. And you should only double barrel, triple barrel bluff if the board is just immaculately uh crafted for that so let's say the example i always use is the seven five four board guy called you out of the big blind he checks you you bet he calls okay most of his hands are going to be a seven a five before turns a six he checks you that's a bad card for sevens fives and fours maybe you can fire on that one but if the turns a king yeah that's a bad card but most people are still gonna call right so they're like because maybe he doesn't have a king right but seven six five four that just looks scary, right? The four flush, same thing. If they're calling you with down the third pair on the flop and then on the turn, uh, they're going to not have a flush 60% of the time. You can go ahead and fire out a half pot bet. But other than that, I think there's, I can almost always get a guy winning when I remove the double barrel bluffs. When I want to make a guy cry, I isolate for his double barrel bluffs on hold a manager. We just look at all the times he blew his chips away. Because unless you're in a tournament slightly above intermediate level or you're dealing with a rag that understands what a double barreling range should be, most people are risk averse. And almost all the data I've ever seen anywhere in any poker game on earth shows people make their big decision on the flop and that tends to be to fold their high cards. And after they call, they call way too much on the turn and river. Uh, I hope that gives you... Uh, as you can tell, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. I hope that helped you out. Yeah. Okay. Well, Alex, I just want to say sounds good. You're on top form today. Very clear, concise, bang bang answers. And I didn't. Alex asked me actually if I wanted to. You know, he was thoughtful of my time and said I could send him the questions in advance. But I didn't do that. Uh, I I still think it's good to just hit Alex with them and get his sort of 
uh, initial stream of conscious uh, on the t- topic because you know it's all in there. So um, yeah, that that's good. Uh, okay, Alex, that's all we got time for this episode. Um, thanks very much for joining. It was good to hear your voice again. And how can people get in touch with you for? you know, other products, etc. Of course, use the coupon code one outer for a discount. Uh, you'd be crazy not to, but how can people get in touch, get on the newsletter and your new flashy website, etc. <laughs> it's good to be talking with you too again, Barry. Uh, if you guys want to check out my site, pokerheadrush.com, everything is streamlined there now. It's got everything. You can, uh, it'll have my Twitter, it'll have YouTube, It'll have uh, my Facebook page, which I've never done anything with ever. But more importantly, you want to sign up for the newsletter because the newsletter is free strategy every day. That's really kind of my mission in life, uh, just helping you guys out. It's really fun. It's, it's like getting to run your own publishing company, your own newspaper, right? It's a lot of fun. So if you want to check that out, I have a lot of fun with that. I put out, I put out a free strategy video this week, a free article, uh, lots of stuff. And uh, I've got hundreds of articles that you guys haven't read. So if you enjoy this strategy content, do check it out. And uh, you just go to pokerheadrush.com. It's all the free training videos and everything you can sign up for. And uh, if you want to hear me on Stones Live, www.stoneslivepoker.net, I will be announcing some tournaments. Uh, let me see. On Saturday, the 27th, uh, Sunday the 28th and Monday the 29th. That's at www.stoneslivepoker.net. You can hear me analyzing some final tables if you've never heard that before. Should be a lot of fun. I hope you can join me for that. Okay, and follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. And we've also got a page on Facebook. You can like oneouter.com. Just search. You can get this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can download it direct from oneouter.com. Thanks for listening. It was good to be back. And we'll see you all next month. Keep your questions coming in as well. Cheers. Cheers.